Well, let's take our Bibles today and let's go to the book of James, chapter number four, if we could. James, chapter number four. Samuel Morris was born into a preacher's home in New England just two years after George Washington was elected the first president of the United States. After finishing his education at Yale, he went to England to hone his painting skills. Upon his return to America, he was recognized as a, as a gifted artist and was soon in much demand. Morris's first wife died while he was away from home painting in Washington, D.C. He did not receive the news until it was too late. In his heartbreak, he turned away from painting and began to, trying to develop a means of rapid communication over great distances. Uh, this eventually led to the discovery of the telegraph. Despite his fame and the many honors that came his way, Morris wasn't proud or boastful. In a letter to his second wife, he wrote, The more I contemplate this great undertaking, the more I feel my own littleness, the more I perceive the hand of God in it, and how he has assigned to various persons their duties, he being the great controller, all others his honored instruments. Hence our dependency, first of all, on God, then on each other. One of the key attributes of or one of the key attributes God desires within the lives of his people is a subject I'd like to deal with today. And that's humility, the subject of humility. When we exhibit pride in, for anything in life, we are instantly failing to recognize God's part in making things possible in our lives. Apart from God, we are completely incapable of even keeping alive our own soul, much less accomplishing anything else. Hence, God is at work in our lives many times to root out pride that does crop up and in turn manufacture this wonderful attribute of humility. Here in James 4, we'll pick it up in verse 6. It says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Submit yourselves therefore to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. Be afflicted, and mourn, and weep. Let your laughter be turned in mourning, to mourning, and your joy to heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and he shall lift you up. He shall lift you up. Today we're going to examine our text a little closer, as I want to talk about why humility matters. Why humility really does matter a lot in the economy of God. Let's pray first. Father, we thank you for the subject matter we are going to look at today. Thank you for uh, all these folks that are here today and Lord, those that are able to join us online. And Lord, I just pray that you would be glorified for what we're going to talk about because this is something that we each deal with on some level. And do pray that uh, you would help us to have humble, submissive hearts to your will and to your direction in life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, one of the most problematic areas of our lives centers on our propensity towards pride. <laughs> it is a problem area. I struggle with it, and no doubt you struggle with it too. We may not like to admit it because we're proud, but uh, <laughs> ouch, right? <laughs> but it is it is a reality. I mean, we have a problem with pride. It is, it is there. It's, it's referred to as the mother of all sins often. 
because a lot of things that, that crop up in our lives are linked to it. Pride is, when it comes down to it, is really just simply the elevation of oneself that begins within our own hearts and minds. We begin thinking that uh, we're somebody and that, uh, that we are something more than what we really are. And it, it can muster up so quickly and so, so subtly sometimes. We, and we don't even recognize it before all of a sudden some of the things that manifest as a result of the pride within our hearts begin cropping up. And, and what's even worse is that sometimes when pride is there and it's not checked, it's not dealt with, it can really manifest itself in very ugly ways. It can be very ugly as uh, we, we do things towards our fellow person that is is kind of a, I guess, is kind of a not a desirable, I guess is the best way I can put it at this moment. You know, when we get prideful, we naturally, again, are elevating ourselves over other people. We, we are elevating ourselves over other people and thinking we are superior to others because of certain talents, features, or accomplishments we have or we have attained. It generally leads us to behave in, in ways that are condescending towards others. It, it, it creates an attitude within us that, that disdains others or disdains the flaws and faults of others, thinking that we have, we've arrived and we have, we're better than that, if you will. And it often leaves others with a great distaste for our presence in their life. <laughs> To be honest with you, when pride is prevalent, you know what? It just puts a distaste in the lives of others. Like, I don't want to be around this person. I don't want to hang out with them. Why? Because it's all about them. And if I ever do anything wrong, woe is me. And and uh, it, it can be a very, it can cause a lot of distaste in the lives of other people. We begin to wonder why? Why doesn't anybody want to talk to me? Or why, why are the conversations getting shallower? Why is it that nobody wants to listen to me? I think one of the worst ways that this can come out is when we have spiritual pride. Spiritual pride is probably the ugliest form because it's haughtiness and how spiritual we think we are. When God gives us the estimation, we're nothing without Him. That we're just, we are just sinners saved by grace and it's only by grace that we would be, we would be doing the same things. But we all get it. <laughs> We all we all do that, and it's something that we've got to we've got to allow God to check in our lives, because pride, however it's displayed, whatever fashion it's displayed, it really is displeasing to God. In fact, there's a really strong way He puts it in Proverbs six verse sixteen, and then into seventeen and verse eighteen. We'll just read sixteen and seventeen here. But it says these things, these six things that the Lord, those next words says hate. There are some things that God hates, all right? Seven are an abomination unto him. Abomination is a really strong word. And what's the first one? A proud look. A proud look. It goes on, it says a lying tongue, hands that shed innocent blood. We can go on a lot of different things, but I'm focusing on that pride part today. The very first thing that's mentioned <laughs> that God hates is a form of pride. It's pride. And when our lives are expressing pride in some regards, 
what I can guarantee us from the Word of God is that it's going to get humbled. <laughs> it's going to get humbled in some form. If you look at Proverbs 16, 18, a very familiar verse to many, it says, Pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before fall. When, when we're expressing a haughty spirit, a prideful spirit, I'll guarantee you God will make sure that we get humble. He'll, he will make sure that we are cut down and we are put back into place <laughs> very quickly. And, and, and pride always will cause us to go this direction. We will, we will fall. We will find ourselves getting embarrassed. God will find us, our hypocrisies being called out. You'll find out, you'll find that God will make a way to make us look, I guess the best way I can put it is silly. Just to show us, hey look, this pride is unacceptable. And, uh, it's, it's very, it's very important to God that we stay in a state of humility. Because this is what's gonna result from getting into a state of pride. Pride is really an affront to God and it's really an affront to others. It's an expression of self-will and self-exaltation that does not emulate God. It emulates Satan or the devil. You know, when he rebelled against God, what was the, what was going on within Lucifer's heart? What was going on within there? Well, if you go to Isaiah 14, Isaiah 14, one of the passages that describe the fall of who we know to be Satan or the devil today. But again, it says here in verse 12 how of Isaiah 14, How art thou fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How art thou cut down to the ground which did weaken the nations? Notice here, he has fallen. Okay? He had an exalted position in heaven. He was really probably the number one angel in heaven. He was a musical being, beauty beyond compare and wisdom beyond compare to anybody else. He was in the mountain of God, the Bible says, and it says that he was, he was very active as a leading angelic being in heaven. But notice here, he has been cut down. He has been taken out. He has been put in a position of great humility. Why? For thou hast said in thine heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will sit also upon the mount of the congregation in the sides of the north. I will ascend above the heights of the, uh, of the clouds. I will be like the Most High. Verse 15, Yet thou shalt be brought down to hell to the sides of the pit. There is a great humbling coming one day before Satan as he is lofty and he's declaring himself wanting to be God, wanting to be worshipped, wanting to all that kind of stuff. And what has happened? God is going to humble him greatly. Already has begun as he has been taken off his position there in heaven, but he will continue to be humbled until he is eventually humbled completely, bowing the knee to the Lord Jesus Christ and calling him Lord. That will be a good day when that happens. Uh, he will have the ultimate egg on his face for the foolishness of what he's done and the lives that he has destroyed and the angelic realm that he has shook because of his pride. Ezekiel 28, verse 17, another passage speaking about Satan. It mentions, Thine heart was lifted up because of thy beauty. Thou hast corrupted thy wisdom by the reason of thy brightness. I will cast thee to the ground. I will lay thee before kings that they may behold thee. Again, it was his pride. 
It was his pride that brought him down. And the same spirit can conjure up within us too so quickly. Because when we get proud, what happens is we begin to dismiss our dependency upon God. We've got it all figured out. You know, we've got a society that has dismissed its dependency upon God. And God's sending some humbling things across our path, isn't he, over these last few years? Especially this year. You need to help us realize we can't control things in our life. We don't control everything that occurs in our life at all. And there are a lot of people today trying to control their lives and trying to control the situation, trying to control themselves from getting COVID and all these different things. And you know what? You can do all that and so forth, but you know what? You can go out and get hit by a car. You could fall. You could do a lot of, a lot of things could happen. You know, you know, this is, this truth is the same before there was ever COVID, right now during COVID, and when COVID is gone off the scene. That we are always one breath, one heartbeat, one step away from eternity at all times. And that we are to be, and that's why God says you need to be prepared for eternity. You need to be prepared for it because eternity can come knocking at your door at any moment in time without you even expecting it. That's why Jesus said you must be born again, right? Repent of your sin and place your faith and trust in Christ and be born again and get things right with God so if you do step out earlier than what you anticipate, which is a possibility for everybody, that you are prepared to enter into the next life. By the way, when you get saved or born again, you find the reason for life. It's not about getting every uh, nook and cranny, every 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 possibly thing that you can possibly get in this world. It's about living for the one to come, because that one's going to be forever. This one's falling apart, <laughs> as as it's very well seen uh, through the things that you read hear about in the news. This one's falling apart, but the one to come will be perfect. And it'll be much better than this one ever was. But we can, we can get proud and we can dismiss our dependency upon God when we do that. And then we, again, as I've mentioned, we'll begin to elevate ourselves above others, thinking that we are more important than others. And what will happen is that at some point we'll find ourselves knocked down. God will knock us down. God will humble us somehow because God's just not going to have it. God's just not going to have that kind of attitude within us. Isaiah 23, 9 says, The Lord of hosts hath purposed it to stain the pride of all glory and to bring into contempt all the honorable of the earth. God will stain our pride. Has he ever stained your pride? I know he's stained mine. <laughs> uh, he, he knows how to humble me. I, I, I have had the, the times where I've had, I've had to hang my head because of my own foolishness and my pride. And God has promised that he will do that. Isaiah 2.17 mentions, And the loftiness of man shall be bowed down, and the haughtiness of man shall be made low, and the Lord alone shall be exalted in that day. God knows how to humble the proud. And it doesn't take much to do it, does it? He can use the smallest things to humble the mightiest. He has proven that time and time again. God knows how to humble the proud, and we as saved people are not exempt from that. And God calls His people to maintain thus a state of humility, as our text expresses so well. Humility is the exact opposite of pride. It's the mindset that I need God, 
and I position others above myself. Philippians chapter 2, verse 3, great passage of Scripture, but mentions, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness, another just a synonym for the word humility, of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let each esteem other better than themselves. Humility is synonymous with words such as lowliness in our text. There, meekness and submissiveness. It speaks of a spirit that God wants within each one of us. As Christians, this mindset must be prevalent for the blessings of God and the empowerment of God to be realized within our lives. Now, that's the mentality that the Apostle Paul uh, took on as he ministered in his day. And he mentions in Acts 20, verse 19, serving the Lord, notice, with all humility of mind and with many tears and temptations which befell me by the lying in the weight of the Jews, Serving the Lord with all humility of mind. <laughs> There's a man that could have been proud and boastful. It was Paul. But he recognized, I think, early on, that pride will get him nowhere. But if he wanted the blessings of God and he wanted the empowerment of God, he had to be in a state of humility. And our text expands some details about humility that will help us understand why it matters today. Let's look at them closer as we see, first off, what I call the provisional grace. The provisional grace. Now, verse 6, it says, But he giveth more grace, wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Very powerful verse. Lots of wonderful truth mentioned within this one verse here in our text. Because we see in this verse what God automatically does to the proud. It says here he resists the proud. Now, when we get prideful, we in turn find that God is going to begin to resist us. We might, you could also put it this way, God will begin to fight against us. In other words, we're no longer on his side, we're on the opposite end, and God, and God is going to resist our efforts to fulfill our pride. He's going to begin to put up some, he's going to begin to fight that. You know, when God is not for us, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're in trouble. <laughs> and when we get prideful, we forget that we need God with us. And all of a sudden, when we discover that God's not with us, we begin to realize we're in, we're in serious trouble. Nobody wins without God's help. And God is the, is the one that enables everything to happen in life. Though so many don't recognize that all the time. And find themselves getting very prideful. You know, I just finished reading the book of Joshua here the other day, and and you read through that whole story, and it, it's incredible if you get the backstory of how the Jews came out of Egyptian bondage and how God trained them in the desert and gave them His laws and, and, and taught them how to live by faith, and then they were going to go up against all these people groups in Canaan that were bigger and stronger and nastier than they all. And God says, I'm going to give you the victory over them, and that's going to be where you're going to live. And you follow the book of Joshua, it's just... It's a great story of victory. It's synonymous for victorious Christian living. The stories kind of, that's the way the book tends to be applicable to us today. And I was reading at the end of this book, you see in Joshua 23, if you want to flip there quick, just something that Joshua said towards as he's preparing to kind of exit the scene a little bit. He makes some very clear statements about the dependency they needed on God. 
Joshua 23, verse 8, it says, But cleave unto the Lord your God as ye have done unto this day. For the Lord hath driven out from before you great nations and strong, but as for you, no man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand, for the Lord your God, he it is that fighteth for you, as he hath promised you. Take good heed, therefore, unto yourselves, that ye love the Lord your God. Who was the one fighting for them? It was God. And he made the impossible possible for them. And that's very true for us. Is that we need God fighting on our behalf. We need God fighting our battles within our personal lives. But if we're getting prideful and thinking that we can do it all ourselves, and we don't need help on the job, we don't need help raising the kids, we don't need any help uh, uh, serving the Lord and, and, and trying to do that, uh, we don't need, need any help in whatever area that we come up with, we're fooling ourselves. We need God's help to, to fight battles for us that we can't win ourselves. The, the Jews could not have beat the people of Canaan without God's help. It was proven after Jericho when they faced Ai, a much, much smaller city. But they got, they got whooped bad until they, got, until they took care of some sin issues and so forth, and then God's presence was back, and boy, there they go again. See, we are all dependent upon God. Nothing drives God away more than a proud spirit, though. And we will find ourselves uh, getting defeated upon defeat upon defeat when pride is, is prevalent within. As Christian people, we need to be conscious of that. And if we're facing continual defeat in some area of our life, this might be something that we need to check out in our life. Is there some sort of pride that I'm missing here? And sometimes uh, we cover up our pride in our self-righteousness, but <laughs> it might be pride. That might be the hindrance in this. We must be conscious of this stuff. May I say too, as Christian people, be sure that when we are making biblical stands, we're doing it in the right spirit. You know, Christians can make right stands and, and things like that, and we do need to take stands on certain issues, but we get no more when we do it with a foul, proud, angry spirit too. And that has been something that's been a little bit of a problem, I think, for the Christian community as a whole. Because we get proud and we can get nasty. And uh, we're standing for God, well, you know, getting mad. But you know what? I don't know if God really honors that kind of spirit. We can take the right stand, but we have to couple it with the right spirit. And, and if we don't, I don't know if God's going to really honor that. The Bible says that, in fact, in the book of James here, that God, that the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. We've got to be conscious of that. Uh, and as well, and there's some, I, I've seen some quote unquote ministries that it's all about lashing out and being rude and being nasty and attacking everything under the sun. That's spiritual. Well, I don't think so. You can have the right stand, but if your spirit stinks, it just is a repellent. People are, it's odious. Why? Because it's somebody who thinks that they're morally superior to another. And you know what often happens to those types of people, I find? They fall. Why? Because pride goes before fall. <laughs> right? I think, you know, the Bible mentions about, in, in Galatians 6, 1, about the erring, uh, an erring brother. It says here in, in verse 1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fall, ye which are spiritual, restore such a one in the spirit of meekness, which is another synonym for humility. Considering also thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Again, we, we need to remember that 
it's by the grace of God we don't fall into the same sins as others. And we have to maintain a spirit of humility. Again, we can take strong stands, but but if we do that with a, with a bad spirit, it's kind of counterproductive. In fact, I've known people who have taken quote-unquote strong stands with a bad spirit who today are living the life they so long despise others for living for. Oh boy, I, I got a whole list of people who are living like that. You know, they, they, they were, they didn't do this and they didn't do that and, you know, they, and everyone knew it and all that kind of stuff. But before long, boy, all of a sudden they're not, they're, they're living that way. It's incredible. Why? Because they had right stands maybe at the time, but their spirit sunk and God saw to it that they were humble. They were humble. Stands are important, but the spirit that goes along with it too must be of humility as well. Because God will resist the proud, but He will provide His grace needed to live the Christian life, to fulfill His will, to do right to those who maintain a humble spirit. And a humble spirit will be granted the grace needed because it's with the humble God abides. It says here in verse 6, but giveth grace unto the humble. Isaiah 66 verse 2 says, For those, for all those things hath my hand made, and all those things have been, saith the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, we could just put in there humility, and trembleth at my word. And trembleth at my word. If we're finding ourselves again lacking grace to live out the Christian life, to fulfill His will, to do right, then we might, this might be an area that is worth checking out. Is it my pride? Is it my pride in some regards? We may be clogging the pipeline of God's grace by our prideful spirits. Hence, it needs to be cleaned out through confession and repentance and humbling ourselves under the mighty hand of God. Secondly, we see the power gained. Look at verse 7. Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Now the Bible teaches us that we have an enemy out to get us. There is an enemy that is lurking. He is invisible. And hence some people mock the idea of a devil. But he is very real nonetheless. The Bible is very clear on that. Uh, it doesn't shy away. It doesn't dismiss it. He actually he comes out quite vividly through the stories and the situations and the statements that are made, Jesus Himself spoke to the devil face to face. God and the devil spoke face to face. I mean, God's not denying the reality of this, even though there are many that do. Oh, He's just some mythical creature. Let me tell you something. He is a dogmatic enemy that is out to destroy the souls of every person that He possibly can. Isaiah, or excuse me, 1 Peter 5.8 says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, as a roaring lion, walketh about seeking whom he may devour. And he's out there like a lion. I mean, he is ravenous as this lion, going out seeking whom he may devour or destroy. And his goal is to destroy our lives and pull the lives of others down that we influence. If he can destroy our life, he will, he will get at those that we influence. And I have seen people who have been in leadership positions have, have, that the devil has gotten and then they pulled down the ones that were underneath them. Knocked people out of church and knocked people out of the will of God and, and it's because the devil used them. Oh, he is slick and he is destructive and he goes after people, uh, vehemently. And he's very good at what he does. Destroying lives through the lies of deceptions that he likes to promote 
constantly to our minds. Revelation 12.9 mentions uh, this about him. And the great dragon was cast out, that old serpent called the devil and Satan, which, notice, deceiveth the whole world. He was cast out into the earth and his angels were cast out with him. This is something later in the future. But there's a statement made in the middle there where it talks about how he deceives the whole world. He has deceived every person in some regards. Sometimes you sit there and you wonder, how can certain people think certain ways? Well, I'll guarantee you it's because they have been deceived the lies of Satan. And Satan is very good at packaging his lies to make them even sound like they are good and right when they are biblically very, very wrong. That's why people, where it mentions in Isaiah, where it says they, that in their day, people were calling evil good and good evil, and we have it today like never before. What has happened? We have a devil that, that gets on the airways, gets on the media, gets on the radio, gets on all these different places, and God's people listens to him like it's truth, by the way. And... He deceives people into thinking it's hopeless, it's helpless. You gotta march with the world. You gotta live for the world, and and that's where it's at. And and we are, we start thinking, yeah, 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 and we get deceived ourselves. We gotta be conscious of the fact there is a devil that is seeking to destroy. And if you're a born again Christian, you do have a target on your back, whether you like it or not, because this is a war. And he uses our sinful heart and the world around us against us. And Satan can put a tremendous amount of pressure on our lives to get us to compromise God's Word and make choices against it. He knows our weaknesses and just has to stoke them to get the advantage over us. Has he stoked some weakness in your life this past week? Has he allowed somebody in your life to just tick you off and get you mad? Or has he allowed news to get you depressed and discouraged? Has he done something that has caused you and I to stumble? I'll guarantee he probably has in some regards this week. Because he knows where we're weak. He knows where we're, where we're prone to fall. He does that stuff all the time. And he'll put some pressure on our lives to do that. And it's frustrating, especially when we, when we realize what we've done. And hence, we need some victory over him. As born-again Christians, we're not helpless. We're not helpless. We do have weapons that work. It's just learning how to use them at times and learning how to fight instead of falling apart. Many Christian people are falling apart for absolutely no reason. It's just that they have not used to learn to use their weapons. Or they haven't been willing to fight through the battle. Or they think if something doesn't change instantaneously that they should just, that it's not, never gonna work. No, we are, we are called to be fighters as Christian people in the sense against the wicked one. Because we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Hence it says, be strong in the Lord and power of His might. And we, we have weapons. We have the ability. We have the opportunity to win victories. And I'm not saying you're not going to fall in your place. and not going to say that you're not going to get knocked down. But you do have the ability with God's grace to get back up when you do. And to get victory over the devil and the temptations he throws at us, though, God is needed. In order to get God's help, it requires an act of humility called submission. Verse 7. Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Submission is a form of humility that we express towards God. And when we submit to God, we are declaring God's supremacy in any and all facets of our lives and our own insufficiency. 
And before we'll have the power needed to resist the devil and cause him to take a hike in our lives, we must first be submitted to God and his direction and his will in this given circumstance. And a person submitted to God's will will obey God's directives even if it goes against their feelings or rationale. Because the person realizes only God knows how the best to handle a situation to defeat the devil. The devil only has access to our lives when he gets us submitting to his ideas, his plans, his schemes instead of God's. When we begin to listen to him because of the way we feel, quote unquote. Once we start following those things, the devil has access, a foothold that can grow into a stronghold of dominance he can get in our lives if we don't battle back against it. A stronghold is a place in our lives in which the devil wields significant influence and we easily fall into sin. We might have a stronghold in our life today of bitterness because we're still holding on to some grudge against somebody from the past and we have not let that go. Well, guess what? That is an inroad for the devil for you and he will touch that place as much as he possibly can to dis- to distract you. That's why you'll start, you'll be walking around through your day and all of a sudden you'll start thinking about somebody that ticked you off and you have not forgiven them. Guess what? He has gotten a foothold and he will get a stronghold built if we don't deal with that. It might be in the issue of anger. It might be over the issue of lust. It might be in pride as we talked about. It may even be substances. This is what we would think of drugs and alcohol and those types of things, just to name a few. Strongholds are often called or referred to in the world as addictions. And we just think addictions are those those substance abuse, and they are. But it's even beyond that. It's really a sin problem in the life of an individual that only God can help them with. And when a person humbles themselves and chooses to submit to God, they'll gain the power of God needed to resist the devil's attempts to influence and control their lives. That's why it mentions in 1 Peter 5, 9, whom resists steadfast, speaking of Satan, in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren that are in the world. We can resist the devil when we are submitted to God. We have no power over the devil when we're not submitted to God. Because when we're submitted to God, the grace of God is imparted to say no and to walk away. Is there an area of our life that we are experiencing continual defeat? It may be something that we just need to surrender to God. It might be about our circumstance in life right now. You know what? Maybe today what you need to do is submit that to God and surrender the outcome of that to God. Instead of fighting God, instead of trying to change the circumstance yourself, instead of trying to do it all your way and you think you've got the plan figured out, maybe time it's time to just lay it on the altar and say, Lord, I surrender this to you. I'm just going to live my life according to what you say and I'm not going to react to this anymore the way I've been reacting to it. Say, what if I pick it up again? Which you might, then you submit it again. What if I pick it up again? Then you submit it again. And submit it again, and submit it again, and submit it again, until it is done. But there are sometimes I have had times in my life where I've been having struggles and so forth, and then I finally submitted it to God, and I said, no, I'm I'm giving this over to you. And you know what's funny? There is peace and there is victory in some regards. Could it be that we are continually falling for the devil's temptations because we have just not humbly submitted to God in that area of our life right now? For some some here, it might be you need to submit to salvation. 
God has been speaking to your heart about your need to get saved, and you say, no, I can do it myself. No, I can just sit in church, and that'll be fine. No, I can cover it up. I can live a, a hypocritical life, and, and it's not real, but I can make it look good in church, so it must mean I can look good at God. No, uh, God knows the reality of our lives, and he knows if we've been saved or not. And if we need to get saved, and, and we're too proud to get saved, you know what? That's not going to end well for you. Again, you want victory? Submit. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. Because when we're under His power, Satan flees. He's gone. And we don't have to live under His thumb anymore in life. Thirdly and finally, we see the promotion given. Verse 10 says, Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord. He shall lift you up. What a great verse. <laughs> you know, when we think of surrender, we think, oh, we're giving up everything. There's no hope left. You know what? When we surrender and humble ourselves, that's when hope begins. In the Christian life, the way up begins by going down. The, the Christian life is full of paradoxes like doesn't make sense. Because it's opposite of what the world troubles. But God says the way up is down. The way down is up. <laughs> On the flip side too. You get haughty, you're going to come down. You humble yourselves, you're going to go up. And here we're commanded by the Lord to humble ourselves in the sight of God. For when we do, it is then He will lift us up. We'll get the promotion, if you will, that God is looking to bring in our lives. You know, I used some verses about about the devil in First Peter chapter five. It's on the precipice of that same passage. In fact, this is really the First Peter five passages are really synonymous to the James passages here, where Peter writes in verses five and six, Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. That clothed means to be covered with. It means to be a, a defining attribute of who we are. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Humble yourselves therefore under the mighty hand of God that He may exalt you in due time. When we humble ourselves, it gives God the opportunity to quote, exalt us, if you will. And sometimes in life we are really desiring something and pray and work to see it accomplished, but we find ourselves continually coming up short and sometimes the problem with us not receiving the blessing or promotion we are seeking is simply because, again, we have not humbly submitted to God. God's looking to bless more than we are looking to be blessed. But there must be an act, there must be a willingness, a submitted heart of humility before it takes place. There was a preacher who used to go to, used to come periodically when I was in Fargo. His name was Richard M. Hayes, Mike Hayes, and, uh, he was about that tall and about that large. I mean, he was, he was a guy, quite a guy. But he used to, he would walk on pews. He'd jump and click his heels. He was from Oklahoma. He's a southerner. He, he just, just got to give those guys a little break. And then, but uh, anyways, he, he's quite a preacher. And he had quite a walk with God, unlike few I've known. And uh, I remember one time he was, he was preaching. He was telling a story after there was a big uh, tornado that hit Oklahoma City years ago. And, basically demolished their church and he had been working a lot on 
on uh, curriculums and, and, and things like that. He was a biblical counselor and, and written up a whole, a whole bunch of stuff. Well, of course, the, the whole uh, church had gotten pretty much pummeled, and there was just some rubble left of it. And uh, he was, as he put it, he was pretty discouraged about it, and he was despondent about it. And, and as he put it, I wasn't, I wasn't right with God, <laughs> basically. And he came to the point, something happened where, I don't know if you heard a message or shortly after that, God just spoke to his heart and said, you know, just submit yourself. And, and are you willing, in so many words, to go forward, start over, if you will, if that's what's needed? And he's just like, yes, Lord, I will. Well, he went to go and clean out or find out what was left of, the, of his office from the rubble and came to discover that God had protected all of his material. And, and, you know, as he put it, he had a shouting fit and all that <laughs> stuff. But it was, it was, it was just, it, it's really interesting sometimes how we fight and we struggle so much on things. And then we finally come to the point where we're done fighting and we humble ourselves, which we should have done a long time ago. And then all of a sudden, God begins to do some things. You know, sometimes victories in life are withheld until we finally surrender or humble ourselves and the situations we are so anxious about to God. And that surrender is our act of humility, declaring God knows what is best for me and not myself. I've mentioned, you know, I've had situations in my life where I, where I had to do that. I can think about three, four, five different specific things where I was fighting against God or however you want to put it, I finally surrendered them only to, to see how God answered my prayer for whatever it was or he gave me something much better in return. Much better in return in the end. Before God gives his best though, he wants to see that humility within each one of us. And he wants to see that we are totally committed in following him regardless of what he decides to do. And maybe today we need to humble ourselves again before God. Maybe we need to bow the knee to our circumstances that we've been fighting so hard against. Instead of constantly fighting God over it, instead of constantly fighting people, instead of constantly grumbling and getting a bad attitude, maybe we just need to humble ourselves and say, Lord, I hand this over to you. And when we do that, then we begin to see what God wanted to bring through it all. Maybe today you need to bow the knee and trust Him with what He wants to do His best. Humility does matter a lot in the economy of God because it recognizes His greatness and our dependence upon Him. It recognizes that we are all equals as human beings. It recognizes the fact that we can do nothing without Him. That all credit and glory belong to our Creator. Is there an area of life today that God has spoken to your heart about that we need to bring before the Lord and humble ourselves in? Maybe today we need to humble ourselves and just do that now.